Please join me in the prayer for illumination found in your bulletin. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our lesson this morning is Paul's letter to Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Apphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith towards the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, are my brother. For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man, and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me or, or even yourself. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. One more thing. Prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping through your prayers to be restored to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The word of God for the people of God. I invite our adults to be seated, and for our kiddos... If you want to come up here and join me for our children's moment, I've got something I want to show you. Awesome. Come on up. 
got plenty of room. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, we're set. I like your boots. They're sharp. All right, y'all, I have a question to ask you. Does anybody know what this is? Yeah, Martha. It's a costume. Does anybody know whose costume this is? Like, what character? Yeah. This is Chase from Paw Patrol for all the uneducated. Uh, Do you know who's going to wear this costume on Halloween? My dog. You nailed it. Our poor, God bless her, eight-and-a-half-year-old, almost nine-year-old lab is going to wear this costume because this is what her beloved Annie uh, chose and picked out for her. So we're going to be Paw Patrol in our house, mostly getting the characters. I'd be curious, what are you all going to be for Halloween? A what? Cindy Woohoo? Yeah. What else? Who else, I should say? Yeah. Bowser. Oh, yes. Man after my own heart right there. Who else? Princess Peach. Princess Peach. Okay. So, Bowser, are you going to sing to Princess Peach like Bowser sang in the Super Mario movie? Okay. Okay. I just had to check. Just had to check. That would be quite, quite the ordeal. So, what I want you all to hear today is that you do not need to put a costume on. You don't need to be a superhero. You don't need to pretend to be about the work of God. God wants to use your everyday, ordinary life to bless other people, to bless people in your school, to bless your teachers, to bless your neighbors, to bless your friends on the playground. You don't need to dress up into anything special to be used by God to bring peace and joy to other people. So while we're going to have a lot of fun dressing up on Tuesday, I pray that by Wednesday morning, you would trust that God wants to use you exactly how you are. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious God, we give you great thanks that you are forming all of us into the character of Jesus Christ and that you are sending us to the ends of the earth right here in our own schools and at our playgrounds and in our neighborhoods to be a blessing to all people. Might we experience the joy of making new friends and having them watch over us in love. Amen. All right, if all three to five-year-olds want to follow Pastor Maggie to Children's Church, you can go from there. Have fun. Bring me some candy, okay, guys? So, friends, we are still about the work of reading the Bible through the year. We're nearing the end, and I just want to name that for the record, we just read an entire book of the Bible. Amazing, right? We just read an entire book of the Bible, and I just want to also name the difference between when I was preaching with you last, and we read a snippet of Ezekiel, and so many of you came up to me and said, I just couldn't make it through Ezekiel. We just made it through Philemon, so congratulations to you and to us. With that word of encouragement, would you pray with me? 
May the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord. For truly you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So over the last four months, our family is discovering one of the underappreciated curiosities of moving. And that's the issue of mail. So every once in a while, Kate or I will go to the mailbox and we'll open up the mailbox. And inside the mailbox are letters and cards and advertisements addressed to other people, not to us. Likewise, from time to time, we get a text from a friend who lives in our old home saying that they received some of the business and even the bills of our life in their mailbox 550 miles away in Raleigh, North Carolina. We are in this place of vulnerability where literally the mail shows that our lives and the business of our lives are scattered in between, that we don't hold them just to ourselves. This morning, as we read Philemon, I couldn't help but feel like we had received and were reading someone else's mail. Did anybody feel that way too? Over the course of the month of October, we've heard Paul address churches in an entire city, like in Romans or Corinthians or Galatians or Philippians. But today, Paul is addressing Philemon and a small group of Christians and the church that, did you hear it, meets in Philemon's home. And of the 335 letters used in this letter, I just, or words used in this letter, I want to give you a spoiler uh, alert. My sermon will be longer than the reading of the letter. Of the 335 words used in this letter, so many of the words that were used were about family and connection and intimacy, encouragement, sharing, partnership, my heart, brother, sister, fellow soldier, father, child. And yet there's one word that rings dissonant with that overarching theme and feeling of intimacy and mutuality. Slave. When we read Philemon, it's really important for us to recognize two realities. The first is that while many have sought to differentiate the slavery of the ancient world with the chattel slavery that constituted the North American slave trade that we so painfully know here in the United States. Though there are differences, this is still slavery. This is a legal system that upholds a reality where one person has possession of another human being's labor and life. This is a legally upheld system that is setting up a dynamic where Philemon is master and Onesimus is slave. This is a system that traps Onesimus in this identity. It robs him of his agency to use his gifts to break out and be liberated. 
And profoundly, in the legal system of the ancient world, Onesimus as a slave was prohibited from legally marrying and so creating his own family. The other reality it's very important for us to recognize is that we cannot see the full picture of what is happening between Philemon and Onesimus. If you open up your Bible, you will see the assumption that many have made in the study Bibles, uh, the wisdom through the years, that maybe what has happened is that Onesimus has run away from Philemon, or that there's some breach financially in their relationship. And so uh, Onesimus has come to find safe shelter with Paul. I really appreciate more modern interpretations like our very own Professor Jen Quigley, who's a New Testament professor at Vanderbilt. As she reads this letter, she wonders if Philemon actually loaned Onesimus to care for Paul while Paul was in prison, and maybe even Paul kept Onesimus longer than was anticipated. And so this letter is Paul checking in with Philemon. And y'all, newsflash, Apple has yet to release the technology that allows us to go back 2,000 years in FaceTime with all the parties involved in this letter. Maybe that's the conference they're going to announce this week, the, the product they will announce at their spooky conference this week. But while we cannot know for certain what is happening between Paul and Philemon and Onesimus, we do know that one thing has happened that has changed everything. And that is that Onesimus has become a Christian. He has been born into an identity by grace as God's beloved one. And this identity liberates him from the shackles of being only a slave. And so empowers him with the gifts of God's Holy Spirit to have agency and to be a co-laborer, and to be a partner in this new reality called the gospel. And this law of God's love has tethered him by faith and by hope into a new family of brothers and sisters we call church. The gospel has given him identity and agency and family that the law of the land was denying him. Really, what is at the heart of this letter is how God is sweeping up Onesimus' story into the love story of God. And Paul is calling Philemon to respond to the work that God is doing to liberate Onesimus from his bondage as slave, to receive Onesimus into the home with full welcome, and to discover Onesimus' gifts as Onesimus now becomes the one who leads Philemon and teaches Philemon how to grow up into Jesus Christ. And while that is remarkable, we have to name the painful reality that we so wish this occasion would have been the opportunity when Paul 
uniformly denounced the evil of slavery as incompatible with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How much harm from the church, how much human misery and suffering would have been spared if this occasion would have led to that public announcement. And yet what we are learning and reading this letter, we are being reminded of how deeply Paul imagined the gospel and the details and the drama of our everyday lives. You can map the whole ministry of Jesus Christ into how Paul communicates with this church that's meeting in Philemon's home. The call of Jesus to bring disciples from all sorts of trades into the ministry of the gospel continues with Paul mentioning names like Archippus and Aphia and Damas and Luke. The ministry of Jesus confronting the rich young ruler continues with Paul confronting Philemon and calling him to lay down any opportunity for profit and financial gain so that his brother in Christ, Onesimus, might be liberated. The journey of Jesus to the cross continues with Onesimus returning home and returning to a place of former bondage and maybe even potential enemies. The joy of the resurrection, Jesus being raised from the dead on Easter Sunday, continues its spread as we anticipate that Philemon's church would receive Onesimus with full welcome and discover his gifts as a beloved brother. And last but not least, y'all, the business of the church continuing its work of Jesus until Jesus returns in final glory, it continues in something as mundane as Philemon preparing a guest room for Paul. The gospel, my friends, is as universal as it is local. It's as spiritual as it is practical. It's as public as it is personal and private. The business of our everyday lives is the venture of God's enterprising grace, always and everywhere, as we celebrate in the Holy Sacrament of Communion. Always and everywhere, the Holy Spirit is summoning us to bear witness to an alternative way of life that is built on the basis of love in the lives that we actually have, not the lives that we wish we had or hope to have someday. And my holy hunch is that this is what the world so deeply longs for in the church, a people who not only preach justice, but who live justly in the affairs of their everyday life and the ordering of their businesses and the way they treat and compensate their employees and caring and cultivating for the earth that is just beneath their feet, not the earth so far away. And actually knowing the names and the stories of our unhoused brothers and sisters who sleep on our porch or who are being drawn in community at Centennial Park. My holy hunch is that this is what we in the church really want. This glimpse of holy friendship that is laced throughout the entire letter where there's this mutuality of love and self-sacrifice that we share together, that we know so fully who we are as God's beloved. 
that we can actually share and name hard truths. And we can expose one another's hidden sins. And we can do hard things together. As together, we compel each other to go beyond what the law demands on the basis of love. John Wesley called this watching over one another in love. And it's how he grounded the early Methodists so that they might be faithful in the integrity of their public witness as privately they were growing up into Christ, as they were growing in grace. If you were here last week, you'll remember that Pastor Carroll said that grace is the bread and butter of how we as Methodists understand God and ourselves and our mission in the world. It is our foundational theological commitment. And if that is so, the practice of five to 15 fellow pilgrims meeting together in homes and sharing life with one another, what Wesley called bands or small groups, that is our core practice for growing into our theology of grace. Because here's the reality, my friends. I can't grow up in grace without you. Because discipleship is a team sport. And we need each other examining and looking into one another's lives. And naming the contradictions between our public professions and our private allegiances. We need each other to encourage each other when the details and drudgery of our daily lives prohibit us from seeing the long view of the triumphant saints. We need each other to share in our joys, not in the competitive sport of comparison, but in this way of naming that your joy, your win is my win. And the reality is that as we form these connections of mutuality and self-sacrifice and share joy, God goes about the work of healing the corrosive cynicism and deadly division and social injustices of our time, one holy friendship at a time. So friends, this is really my long-winded way of saying I really need you to receive and read my mail from time to time. I need your help. I, I need you to care so much about my growth in Christ that you concern yourself with the business of my everyday life. This is in some ways my long-winded way of asking, is it okay if I and trusted others look into your life too? that we encourage one another and we ask each other questions not just about our spirituality but about how we are growing up into Christ and the character of Christ in the lives that we actually have. For in watching over one another in love and for allowing God to get up all in our business, you could say, we actually experience the adventure of co-laboring and becoming partners with God in this new reality called the gospel. We experience the shared joy of living justly in beloved community. We experience the freedom of the life that is really life. 
the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.